Uh, welcome back to the Seeker Shrimp podcast, coming to you live from the European Union. <laughs> Sponsored by ASMR, um, cable moving. Oh my god, that fucking noise. It took me a long time to figure out things that would really annoy Dara, and this is um, this is one of them, that noise. Nothing annoys me more than that. We also have the, what you, the, the beard noise doesn't annoy me. That's one of our beards where we have the mic right now. Yeah, uh, no, fucking cable noise. The unacceptable noise is chewing. Don't. Fake chewing doesn't do it though. It's not the same. No, no, no. It's only if people aren't trying to do it. What is that? That's literally it. Like, yeah. why is that a thing? Like, why is it? My, my brothers used to know it, it annoyed me all the time when I was younger. And as soon as I had to do it on purpose, I'd be like, oh, that's not annoying anymore. Yeah, it yeah, makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. But when someone's not trying to do it. Anyway, welcome back to the Seeker Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us yet again. On a grand old Friday evening. Friday evening? Well, oh, like, they're listening on Friday evening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so today... Is the, is the brain damage playing up? <laughs> today we're talking about kind of five keys to upping your game. No, no, no. The five steps to upping your game. Don't say it, kind of five <laughs> keys to upping your game. No one's going to be roiled up after listening to that. Yeah, we're going to make a paperback book. <laughs> it's going to come out on ebook. You can no. buy it on Amazon. Are you joking? Obviously, I'm fucking joking. Uh, uh, clearly, you're not. No. Right. Yeah, we're going to get a transcription of this podcast. That would be a great ebook. Yeah. Sell it for a 12 euro. Yeah. I'd read it. Anyway. We're going to do that. Coming soon. <laughs> so, Gurf, do you want to rattle off? Hang on no, a second. How long do you think it takes us to write a book, realistically? Uh, it depends. Sometimes we're so productive. Super productive. Crazy. And then other times it's like, geez, that's mad, yeah. Haven't done that. Do you have any toast? <laughs> we do have one book in mind and it's going to be legitimate. Yeah. Um, it, it's a secret. It's going to be a secret, but it will be... Um, it won't be interesting to read, but it'll be very useful. Yeah. It'll be more of a manual. Yeah. And I think it'll be good. Right. Anyway. So five, we have... The five steps. Number one. Well, okay. So this is no particular order. But the first on the list is nutrition. Nutrition? Nutrition. Then we have program. Yes. So, so like, that could be just, if you want to call that training or yeah. your sports stimulus or whatever. Number three, we have environment and all that goes with that. Number yep. four, we have role models slash mentors. Slash coaches. Slash parents maybe yeah and finally we have mindset so obviously that's i suppose if we're going to step up our game we probably can't change your parents well you can but it won't make a difference <laughs> uh, uh, and then the last bit's mindset dara's favorite one it's probably the most important it's probably the least important we'll put it in number five put in number one and five mindset <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're going to start from the start we'll probably just amble our way down through it and finish at the end yeah <laughs> so you you have the house and the wise i suppose or the whys and hows, yeah, yeah. So the house, why nutrition? So we all know that story of Usain Bolt eating eight thousand chicken nuggets or something before he ran, yeah, nine point six four or something like that. Well, I don't know was it faster than that? Is it like nine point five eight or something? Something stupid. To be honest, once it's under nine seconds, it Since doesn't really matter. Under ten seconds, if it's under nine oh, seconds, yeah, it's sorry. fucking yeah. easy. Um, fucking drive your motorbike. So we all know that story, and you're like. And it's easy then went for people to be like, nutrition doesn't matter. But see, the, the thing is, right? You're not Usain Bolt. No one's Usain Bolt. 
Usain Bolt's not even Usain Bolt anymore. Yeah. So for a time, under certain circumstances, you can be, as I would say, an asshole with your nutrition. Yeah. You can employ the asshole athlete mentality. Eat what you want. Say, oh, bro, I train enough. I train so much that my nutrition doesn't even matter. And you can in some ways. And if you're on enough gear, yeah, I said that. You know, an interesting little stat about, is she training the table? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So just grab my phone there and get a picture. Just to quickly, uh, quickly interject. Uh, Gurf has an adorable, what breed is she? I have two adorable dogs, that's for real. Yeah, but this dog is particularly adorable. Oh, she stopped? Yeah. Get her again in a minute. Uh, She knew the camera's on. Anyway. So she's like half pug, half. King Charles. King Charles, but she was just resting her head on the table. Really? She's happy here, like. Yeah. Anyway, back on track. Back on track. Although someone said they like hearing about the dogs, but that's for another time. (laughs) So we have um, the asshole athlete mentality where you can, you know. You said you had an interesting stat there. Okay, so actually, right? Right. So the 30 top fastest times in sprinting. Yeah. Usain owns many of them, as you can imagine. Yeah. He owns like, was it six or eight of them or something like that? It might be the double digits of them. And all the others, all the other times then belong to various other um, athletes. Yeah. Every one of those. Various other doped athletes. Every single one of those other athletes has tested positive for doping. And he's yeah. about the only person on that list. But I think everybody. And he has the fastest time. Everybody. And it's amazing how he's clean. Everybody in sport just accepts that the Jamaicans are doping. No, the article I was reading, she was like, and it's amazing that he's a natural athlete what? and he can do this. Who's writing that? This was around 2016 Olympics. Oh, those, my God. You know when those kind of sports journalists come out of nowhere? Yeah, but they're not sports journalists. They're just like fucking, like, she's probably writing she, reviews <coughs> of the Today Show. She's the opposite of Zach Talander's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Joe, if you think Usain Bolt is, yeah, I'm not even getting into that. Right. But so, so. we have that example, you know, and we have like... Look, we know Clarence very well, and obviously he's like absolute ass. Yeah, he's total shit. Clarence could eat like six boxes of Pringles. I'd say he eats at least ten boxes of Pringles a week. He's propping up the world supply of Pringles. Yeah, the demand for it is is artificially it, inflated. It doesn't matter where you go; he has to have Pringles. Like if he's editing a video, and there's not two tubes of Pringles. Yeah, <laughs> Dara was saying. So when we were in Romania last oh year, my God. like Dara was sleeping on like this extendo bed from the couch and Clarence was still yeah. up at like 3 o'clock in the morning somehow somehow it. the selection of rooms worked out by fucking who had the heaviest snatch got the best room <laughs> and I was left on the fucking sofa bed in, the, out there in the living room oh, I was like a pig and shit mm. but what, what would happen is everybody go to bed at like 11 o'clock because we had a million training sessions to do the next day so tired and Gabriel loves <laughs> volume Gabriel loves volume more than Gurf loves his dogs uh, <laughs> Gabriel loves volume more than Gurf loves back squatting so anyway what would happen is Don't at like 2am you'd wake up to hear of clattering keys on a keyboard or else like a bedroom door opening or and then you'd hear and, and what would happen is the wifi router or whatever it was wasn't good enough in his room so he'd come up oh, to the kitchen it. That was it. and you'd just hear and like the sound of somebody aggressively forcing Pringles into their mouth <laughs> and, and trying to get the six or seven they've forced in eaten in time for the next fist of Pringles that went in. Like his body must just be Pringle. crying out for nutritional density. And you're a heavy sleeper, is that like? I do not wake up easily, Gurf. I, I think uh, the, the noise of 
if you don't know what Pringles are, they're just a tube, a cylinder. It's like a giant Tyler roll tube and a cylinder. A c- <laughs> and filled with some delicious, basically crisps, what you want to call them. Yeah. Just everybody it, knows what Pringles they're are. They're all over the world and like yeah. you can taste any flavour you want. But yeah, so that's they're the outliers, right? But if you're somebody now, say if you're a, you're a football player and you have you have made the decision that this year you're going to up your game, what I would say one of the very first pro, uh, port of calls will be going away, assessing your nutrition now, assessing what wor- has worked well in the past, uh, or else ideally going and getting some nutritional guidance, whether that's through like an actual dietitian uh, or some nutritional consultant or whatever they want to call themselves uh, and going and getting some like good structure, finding out what's going to work well for you. Uh, and it'll probably involve tracking of some sort, but that's going to be the first place you should look at the food that's going in your mouth. And it doesn't always have to be about gaining or losing. No, not at all. So you can just be like... What I'd say for the majority of athletes, and especially people listening to this, is it's going to be Mm -hmm. performance-based. So it's probably going... You might look at body composition a small bit. Yeah. uh, But even if your body composition is fairly good, you're probably just going to be optimizing recovery and then optimizing performance during training sessions and ultimately ultimately performance during whatever competitive outlets you have. So your goal as a real athlete, and you know what it means by now, is... To have enough energy to train, not lose any muscle mass, and still have some enjoyment from your food, basically. So you want just enough calories to not lose weight, to not gain weight. So gaining weight can be detrimental to an athlete. So sometimes we think, oh, more muscle mass is better muscle mass. But it's not always the case. So you have an increase in, so you need basically more energy or more calories to sustain the muscle mass you need to expend more energy to move that muscle mass there's a high requirement on your vo2 max uh, if you have more muscle mass and obviously it goes with that fat cells which are essentially useless yeah for sporting activity for direct sport unless, activity. yeah unless it's something extremely peculiar like sumo wrestling or like downhill skiing and you're frozen <laughs> yeah but they're like they weigh like 40 kilos <laughs> and are made of like tissue yeah and cardboard so, uh, so that's like your prime goal of nutrition is just to so the way I think about kind of this comes in with supplements as well so I never think about supplements as in is this going to directly increase my snatch or clean and jerk I think will I feel like I have more energy throughout the day yeah. will I I don't know digest food better will you be more adherent to training sessions like if you have shit nutrition you could easily be missing out on one or two training sessions a week mm-hmm. so if you're somebody who trains four to five times a week uh, just altering your nutrition and how you're fueling yourself yeah. uh, could change your recovery enough to whereby you feel active and plenty of energy all the time. It's not like getting home from work uh, and you're fucked and you get home and then you want to sleep and then you don't go to the gym. Oh, what I would think of that is I don't think nutrition will ever add kilos to your absolute max. I don't think your genetic potential will increase with nutrition. No. What I do think, though, is like they was saying there, it may have um, a compounding effect over a course of several months or years. You may have a, like a 0.2% better training session every session you have if you just do a bit better new nutrition. And then after 1,000 training sessions, you'll have had a lot better training sessions and you will get better or closer to your potential, I think. Yeah. So, so I don't think you should think 
I'm going to, this is going to increase my max. You think this is going to help me train better today. And every other day I go training. And then it gives you the opportunity just to train at your best. And then that's all you can hope for then. Yeah. And if you look at like athletic performance, it's all about having the best possible training sessions. Joe, mm-hmm. people who are doping, dope so they can train more, so they get more reps in and more training sessions in. People who are full-time athletes don't have to work so they can rest more, so they can train more, get more training sessions in. Everything we do for an athlete that like tries to make them better is all about better recovery. And like first sport to call is probably nutrition and sleep. So that's why like I, I don't think as an athlete you should go, will this beetroot extract no increase my endurance? Will taking five grams of creatine a day bring my squat up by 20 kilos no no what i do you think you should think about is let's say for example you're like this zma will help me sleep better so i'll recover better so then i can train better tomorrow potentially because so obviously sleep deprivation has a massive effect on your ability to recover whatever yeah. information all that but also has an effect on a mindset that's very insidious if you don't really know about it yeah i think the other thing with nutrition and sleep is they very very much go hand in hand so if you have really shit nutrition patterns and you're taking on uh, large portions of calories just before bed and it's mm-hmm. disturbing your sleep and then you're waking up in the morning and when you're sleep deprived, you're always looking for some mixture of sugar and fat, which probably mightn't be optimal depending on your training schedules. Uh, or you could be waking up in the morning not eating, which then could be not optimal for your training. Like it all depends on what you're doing, yeah. I have a good one for that though, if you... Um if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're hungry or in the morning you're really hungry for carbs straight away is if you just drink some milk before you go to bed. So lactose is very easy for your brain to be like, nom, 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 nom. Right. So a bit of milk before you go to bed has helped a few people I know. Miles being one of them. He said just a bit of milk stopped him waking up. Yeah. You know, he's a stallion like so. Miles is an absolute stallion. So, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I do it the odd time if I feel like I need it but very rarely because... I would eat close enough before I go to bed anyway. But it's um it's an easier one for your body to digest, obviously. And then you've like the fats, which will take a bit longer to break yeah. down. So it'll keep you ticking over all night if you need it. Yeah, so I think if you're listening to the podcast now and you're, you've like made your New Year's resolutions or whatever and they're somehow performance-based around a sport, like say if they're based around CrossFit uh, and you're listening to this wondering like, oh, how am I going to make my nutrition better? A great one to start with is just tracking. Hmm. track your macronutrients track your calories per day get an app uh like my fitness pal is probably the easiest one to use in the world ever they have everything on it yeah like if you just tracked for a week that would be a great step i think if you wanted yeah that's very slight snoring you hear in the background (laughs) is a a very fat pug snore she's not a pug or she's a fucking mongrel whatever it is i like mongrels are the way to go by the way it's unethical to get purebreds. So right. Know. Anyway. Yeah. If you're... So Not to have anything wrong with Seiko. If you've gone and you've tracked for a week or maybe you've been tracking for a while and you're fairly dulled in with your nutrition, then it might be something that you just go and get like one of the bazillion people who are very, very qualified to speak mm-hmm. about nutrition and it might just be one consultation with them. You know, like a sit-down chat, a Skype call, uh, sharing some of your data with them. And that can be like a really easy, because I think people think a lot of the time if they get like a nutrition coach that it's this big thing. Like, really oh, I'm, I'm working with these guys now. I'm like with whoever, like, uh, it's really not a big deal. 
you know, it could just be one consultation. You might work with them for three or four weeks. Uh, they'll point you in the right direction. Uh, very positive experience. It won't be that expensive for anybody. Uh, but yeah, start with tracking and then maybe look for some professional guidance after that. The one thing I would say is, and obviously, actually, just on that point as well, if if you come to them with tracking and you know what they're doing, it's going to make their job a lot easier and it'll make it go Way a lot faster. Because very often they'll just tell you to start tracking. Yeah. Most of the time they'll be like, okay, you should come back to me in a week with five days of tracked food. But, um... Uh, and, and, like, my last point to nutrition would be, if you want nutritional advice, don't come to us, please. Because that's not what we do. No one does anymore, though. They kind of know. Yeah, I think it's because we lambasted them yeah. for so long. Just to stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not our forte. Like, I'm, I would be very good at my own nutrition. And Dara is aware of what he would need to do for his own nutrition. <laughs> no, but like a lot of my undergraduate looked at nutrition and, and all that shit. Yeah, we can but make it, recommendations, of yeah, course. But it's just not what we want to do. No, it's not. Um, Especially when there's so many people that really focus. Yes. Yeah, like so many people have. Their shtick. Yeah. And they're well dialed in. They're working with people every day of the week. Uh, they've seen people like you a million times. Uh, exactly. And they're going to. What's that? Stallions. Stallions. One thing I would say I've seen it happen a couple of times with the average Joe is when they get a nutrition coach, they do very well while they're with the nutrition coach. And, oh, they get and then they fall off the bandwagon. Yeah, that's, that is something you should be really prepared for. And I'm not sure how a nutrition coach could um, prepare you for that because a lot of times you do see people and then... Um, I think the best thing they can possibly do for you is not give you a meal plan. You don't think so? Because that's always where you see people fall off they're like perfect when they're given the meal plan that worked incredibly well for me yeah but that's because you're a robot everybody else it seems to work incredibly poorly for because they get a meal plan they'll follow it and then they'll do their competition or they'll do whatever it is that they're working towards and then they're like oh i don't really want to eat what's on the meal plan that's all i, I want think to if you have like if you're a nutrition coach who's like these are the habits i want you to build this is the behavior that's going to be positive for you uh, these are the things you need to look out for. This is what you need to monitor. This is what you need to be responsible for rather than being like yeah. a cup and a half of broccoli with a half tablespoon of... That's music to my ears. I know it is, Griff. I said that to Damon before I started. I was like, I just want you to tell me exactly what I can eat yeah. forever. Like I, I have friends who have nutrition companies and they do both. Like, mm-hmm. Like one in particular is very very against meal plans and i really like that because most of the time he's working with uh very average populations you know they're not elite athletes uh they're not going extreme in any direction one way or the other uh and then he's just working with them over the course of like a fairly long like four eight months for a year for two years and he works them for a long time to try to build habits rather than it being like this is my 75 euro meal plan. You bought this on Black Friday. Here it is. Download my ebook. Here's a picture of my six pack. It, it is hard for people though with nutrition. Nutrition is hard for everyone, I think, for a lot of people. Like, is it a symptom though, do you think of the nutritionists or the people once they fall off the bandwagon? I think it's both. Yeah. Definitely it's both. You haven't given them the habits to... You haven't given them the tools to go out and do it on their own. Stop being a fatty. <laughs> hey, fatty. No, but like, so that's, if you're listening to this, I'd say the first thing to do is go and track your macros. Uh, 
or if tracking your macros is way too much, just track your calories and your protein uh, and then move to tracking your macros and then just find somebody who can help you out. Um, Any more thoughts on nutrition? I suppose, obviously... I think like the point where don't think about this or a nutritional supplement or a diet plan is going to be like the fucking key to everything. I would say be wary as well where there's a lot of great people on YouTube who do talk about nutrition and training. A but lot of them are heavily invested in nutrition in, companies. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them have sponsorship links or own companies and uh, I won't say anyone's name for fear of being on the podcast but and, and I don't know if this is um, I don't think they have a prerogative to be honest. I generally don't think these people have um, kind of a, an ulterior motive and I don't know if it's that's what they believe. Do you know what I'm hearing here, Griff? Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of beating around the bush. I, I just, I'm just going to give them a benefit of the doubt sometimes. So we have, like, recently I saw a video a few weeks ago about basically why everyone should be taking creatine, you know, and how much good scientific evidence there is behind yeah. it. And Which he, there is. And he also had, like, a LinkedIn to the company he's affiliated with to buy creatine. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I think creatine is totally useless. Mm. Basically, I don't think it's really that impactful. <laughs> I don't think it impacts. I have never seen anyone be like, do you know what, that creatine really started me out. And I don't think it has a compounding effect that much, I'll be honest with you. I'm sure it's very safe. Uh, it's pretty much it's the f- only supplement that makes any difference to strength. I don't even know if it makes that much of a difference. No, but no, Garf. I don't think it does. So, I've, <laughs> who's, give me two examples of people who've been like, do you know what, that creatine really helped. Okay. Wait, it's not just being like, oh, you don't know anybody at the gym who got a bigger squat from creatine. Give me two. All the things we just spoke about. Yeah. Creatine is a very, very good supplement for people to take, especially the fucking plant-based people. Well, they should definitely be taking it. Because highly deficient in it. And, uh, okay, and then, like, with creatine, you're either a responder or a non-responder. There's certain sports are going to be highly skewed in favor of creatine being good for them. People who need really, really high power outputs in short bursts and who want repeated bursts over and over again, for weightlifting, it's not going to be effective because the time scale is just way too short. You're talking about people who have efforts of like zero sec or 0.5 of a second to 10 seconds. So like somebody like uh, a field sport athletes who's doing repeated sprinting with enough rests in between. So like rugby players find it very good because they have to put in huge amounts of work for short periods of time then there's an amount of time where they're moving slowly back to a position or they're moving with the play and they're not like actively involved again take another uh, advantage of creatine is that if you supplement with creatine rather than just getting it from steak or getting it from whatever protein source you you your body will glean it from naturally is that you can have bigger pools of creatine being held within your body than you can if you just cle- cleaved it from normal protein sources there's a fuckload of steak in creating insect on yeah though. yeah but that's the thing like if you take it as like a monohydrate mm. uh, you can have a bigger pool like you could have 115% rather than 100% to be honest I think with creatine probably is what I feel is it's probably overhyped I think it's I think people think creatine is gear and you think you're going to get the effects from gear like the effects gear give you but from creatine and realistically gear doesn't give you the effects that people think gear will give you I think it's the thing for people who want to take gear but are afraid to take gear (laughs) (laughs) 
any other supplements while we're on the topic? So we've all, that's something like ZMA that you mentioned earlier is probably uh, like I don't recommend supplements to people. We never recommend people to take anything, but especially if you're somebody who's a, like we call them twitchy, but like people who have trouble sleeping at night or trouble getting deep, impactful sleep uh, and you train a lot taking zma as a supplement is very very good for you i think zma is definitely better than taking just zinc and magnesium and not taking the vitamin b6 with it which would make zma uh zm yeah <laughs> I, I i totally kind of random but it seems we're talking about supplements you know <coughs> there's a lot of talk about like nad plus and metformin and what was the other one? Rapamycin, you know? Yeah, for anti-aging. What I've been wondering about those, though, is would they have a kind of a compounding effect too for performance? And I can't see why they wouldn't. And I was reading some have done on uh, NAD Plus on athletes, but they're only very recent, and it was kind of endurance athletes. And it was... Jeez, um, I can't remember what, what kind of... To be honest, I don't have the requisite knowledge yeah. of any of those compounds. That I would... Probably my thoughts on that is watch and see. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think we'll see a lot more on that because... If you can be sure of anything, uh, someone's going to try to get performance yeah, yeah. out of it. You know? yeah. An interesting thing on the beetroot as well, uh, people think it increases your number of red blood cells, but what it actually does is just increase the cross-sectional area yeah. of your red blood cells. So it, it increases their ability to hold oxygen. Just makes them a little bit bigger. Yeah, a little yeah. bit thicker. Little thickies. T-I-C-C-C-C-C-E-R. Fuck. Um, um, I am far away, but like... Well, hey... Is that what did you like that? But for Ray, um, hey. no one's ever made that joke before. Uh, I'm. I just kind of. It is neither here nor there. Kind of way is just more protein. You can get loads of ones that are really low carb, like one gram yeah, of carb, yeah. and the upper limits of protein are so drastically way above anything you could possibly eat <laughs> that a bit more protein will not going to probably no harm. And it's very low calories, like in terms of the three macronutrients. Is it one? Yeah. Is it one calorie? How many proteins? One gram is like, is it one? I don't know. Something. I should know. Yeah, I feel like you should That's know. one of those things that you learned off for an exam. Like, I learned that for an exam yeah. two and a half years ago. And, like, like sure, I'm never ever going to not be just Google that again. Like, like, if you're trying to lose weight, more protein is fairly consistently a thing that consensus would be behind. There are, so it's a really, really good thing for satiating hunger. I was just going to say, if you're trying to maintain weight. Yeah, so, like, if you were... Say if you do a morning session uh, and before you go, you've like a cup of coffee. After your morning session, you then have a protein shake with like some amount of fat in it, uh, like an avocado or something or some like whole milk, something that's fairly low in carbohydrates. Milk. Milk. Uh, and then that means you, you push out a meal for another two hours, two and a half hours. That's probably a very, very good thing. Uh, for losing weight but it's not like it's not a performance supplement um i I like for that i would say unless you have like some kind of um gastric distress yeah probably grand i suppose for vegans a lot of vegans be aware now in terms of people listening to this podcast they're vegans but we were of creatine being would actually be an essential uh there was something else as well it's not not vitamin b12 as well they would know that as well that's that's like Everyone, the grandmother knows that one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Zinc is one they're not often aware of. Um, so I know we've heard the debates about heme iron, but heme iron is um, from meat is is absorbed better. Have we heard the debates about heme iron, girl? <laughs> I know that shit. I, I know you guys. <laughs> I know you guys saw the uh, 
the who statement on Heme Iron last month, but I know you're reading the Lancet. <laughs> yeah. The Heme Iron group page. Um, I I see a lot of you guys in the forums here, but uh, <laughs> you know, actually, the other day, um, Lancet is ten years since they retracted that MMR vaccine on autism thing. Jesus, why the fuck did they publish it in the first place? Why well, I want to know. Yeah, yeah, they go heavy. What are we doing? So with Heme Iron as well is that. So there is, like, you get iron from spinach or whatever, and then you get iron from, like, meat or whatever, and it's, it is easier to absorb and you get more more of it in part of the gum, as I suppose, of the iron. But you would just... There's nothing stopping you getting a blood panel as well. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I'm not sure how common this is, I think. It's hard to get in Ireland. It's hard, not hard to get it, but it's... Your doctor will be kind of like... Why do you want that? A lot of times I'd be like, oh, I'm on the Irish team, I need to get a blood or something. And I'd be like, okay. i just go to my doctor and be like, I hurt my brain really, really badly there a while back. Remember when I couldn't talk and stuff? Will you just take my bloods like you've done for the last two years, please? I hope to God no one else can use that excuse. Yeah, I've done, so I, I usually do like every six or eight months, uh, mm-hmm. just get a blood panel done. It's no higher meter. The, there is... A growing number of, I know in, a, in the USA they have actually um, an embarrassment of riches for these kind of private consultations for blood panels and, um, you know, full spectrum like hormones and you get like, you can get everything you want yeah. for f- fairly reasonable prices it looks in dollars. Just one thing while we're on this, right? Go on. Do you know those like DNA fit things and people go and check their oh, yeah. DNA panel to see if they're like, and they have like Brian Habana, like the former Springbok rugby player. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I, I saw in my panel that I was going to be genetically predisposed to being fast. They are of absolutely no use to anybody. What's what up? are they going to be like? Oh, Jesus, Garf, we saw there in your blood panel that you've uh, a high density of, or you're probably going to be a fairly good power athlete. You're like, oh, the, oh, really? No shit. Really? I got a test done to tell me that. Um, you know, like if you're somebody and you're thinking about getting that get yourself four blood panels for the same amount of money you'll buy that for what? and it'll be so much better for you what's that gene involved in power or well no 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 sorry it's not involved it's associated with uh basically with uh higher proportions of fast twitch fibers to slow twitch isn't yeah it? for power production yeah oh what is the name it's on the tip of my tongue where like it's Garf has the Google machine out here now all athletes who are powerful have it but yeah. not all powerful athletes have it it's like all Trump supporters being yeah, racist but yeah, not all yeah. racist or whatever you know um, not AMP what the fuck someone's screaming at the mic now and they're like you don't know Ian's probably screaming Acton Acton Tree right that one so like all the be- basically all the best um, what is it oh basically every so basically having it if you're really powerful can mean you like it's just involved in or whatever like but it just means nothing like you know it's kind of like a but what like what do people do with that data yeah exactly what can you do with your data yeah. you don't have whereas any. like if you get a good blunt panel and someone's like oh you're low on iron and if you're a female athlete and you're low on iron and you start supplementing with iron or you start increasing red meat intake or yeah. whatever it is to bring that those levels up like you're talking about huge notable changes in performance mm-hmm Jesus Christ, if you're involved in like any, like any sort of sport, yeah. you'd have a noticeable difference, you know? Uh, do you think you end up in the sports? Yeah, I really, really do. Like, if you look at the... You're meant for. Yeah, like, 
if you look at how a lot of people get into their sports, right? If you look at, let's take males in Ireland as an example. If you go and you become, or we always use rugby as an example, but if you become a, a flanker or whatever it is, right? A position where you need a large amount of like power production, fairly good stamina, like you're a bit of an all-rounder. A lot of the time, your father has been a rugby player or something like it. Or if you're like a good hurler and you play cornerback, a lot of the time your father or your uncle or whoever got you into the sport will have been somehow involved in that, you know? Yeah. Environmentally influenced. like Yeah, I think another thing is like competency breeds adherence. Like if you go, like if I go to be a jockey, and they have to bring out this fucking giant cob of a horse when I'm 14 because I'm this lump of a young fella like Joe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm sitting up on top of something that's never, ever going to clear a fence. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't take long for, like, even younger kids to realize, like, oh, this mightn't be the best move for me. And then you just find a sport that you enjoy uh, and are good at. Like, if you take the kind of the contrasting example to that would be the Indonesian system. So they have a huge amount of money, yeah. uh, like, and a huge, sorry, they have a huge amount of money being put into sports. They're very rich, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what you find with them is they'll, at a certain level, so maybe as 13, 14-year-olds, they'll do a muscle biopsy test for uh, for fiber type. Yeah. And what they want is, if you're, so say now, uh baby girth or baby Timmy or whatever it is has been in their weightlifting system as an eight-year-old they've come all the way up and now they're 12 and they're like okay we're going to do the muscle biopsy now and you have a non-favorable finding in terms of uh, fiber type so say they want a certain ratio of fast twitch to slow twitch or a certain density of fast twitch in the sample uh, you'll then be moved out of that uh, system so what you'll do is you'll be transferred into a sport like badminton uh, or sport. But you will. So you'll be transferred most of the time to something where the skills you've learned can be applied. So like those kind of big power outputs where you're like one big step or one jump or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and your physical values will then or like your physical learnings or your physical literacy will add to what you have. Uh, but you will be cycled out of that system if the muscle biopsy test comes back how would indonesia be though on the like there's obviously some inherent problems with with that system yeah of course there is uh for example but like everybody everybody is trying to have a talent id system yeah and if you're looking for talent id for weightlifting you probably look at you can kind of get anything for anything though yeah you can like everybody all kind of shapes and sizes do but if you're looking to design a weightlifter it's somebody with good thick joints no gold medals for Indonesia at the Olympics extreme yeah but two silvers 13 silvers okay 13 12 brands uh, so you're looking for somebody with good thick joints very strong bone structure short femurs short upper and lower arms uh, actually it's mostly the upper arm you're looking yeah, for yeah like uh, humorous length yeah, is what they're that's the prime they're one. really looking at and then if you so if you see a weightlifter and they're standing there and their wrist is at their hip, and then their elbow is at their nipple. Yeah, it means they're probably probably good. Have a good range of motion for the jerk. Yeah. Although there is a favorable leverage then sometimes for people with longer arms, depending on how you go about jerking. Okay. I suppose it's that weightlifting is the problem is because of all sports, 
you kind of can be anyone yeah within reason yeah if you gain the body mass needed so that's and that's where systems like that fall down you know you have uh you'll have a group or you'll have a panel or a board will come up with their talent id system because every country needs one you know whether oh you have to have something yeah like you have to have something in place but a lot of the time they want the cookie cutter which uh like he wants somebody as a four-year-old who'll have a certain width of jaw compared to certain width of wrist you'll have uh, maximum and minimum height requirements and then you'll have maximum and minimum jump requirements or whatever that is uh, what what they what they're looking for then I suppose is that you're going to get more of the right people in the right sports than you would other yeah and that's the thing you you'll miss a unicorn but you'll have a great field of good stallions and no gold medals yeah whereas th- there is a lot to be said for and obviously when you're trying to have a talent IT system you can't always do this but and when you have limited number of resources you can't always just let people do what they want I suppose would be a problem Russia seems to be kind of like that. And China seems somewhat similar. And obviously they're probably the most comprehensive. That they can do what they want. Or they have a good talent ID system. Both, it seems I like. I wasn't paying attention. It kind of seems like both. Yeah. It seems like China, like for example, you you kind of do what you want and in some regards, but unless you're shit, then you're like, oh, kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, how do we get there from nutrition is what I'm wondering. <laughs> okay. Back to nutrition. Back to nutrition. One thing, uh, where I think so say now you've your nutrition fairly dialed in uh, you might have worked with someone in the past you've tracked in the past you're tracking now and you're fairly happy with your recovery uh, what I think you could start looking at then is nutrition for performance so like a lot, as we said earlier a lot of the time people are looking to alter body composition or body mass with their nutrition or else they're really looking to optimize performance or sorry optimize recovery then there's the small tweaks that you can start to do for optimizing performance. And that the first thing of that is, I think, taking on some intra-workout carbohydrate uh, or maybe some better nutrition during the workout. So, like, if we take, for example, a weightlifter, a lot of weightlifters, if they're training once a day, will have very, very long and prolonged sessions. So the sessions might be two and a half or three hours, like Gerf's there. Uh or like a lot of lifters have very, very long training sessions, especially midweek. Uh, and what you can start doing then is looking at things that would improve the quality of the session as the session goes on. So if, if he does all of his snatch and clean and jerk work or however it's... it's Mine only take an hour and a half now, I think. Yeah, but you're doing a very different system than most people would do. Like Clarence's now we're taking like... Three. What time do we get there? Probably at least two hours. Yeah. And Clarence, Clarence never dicks around. No. So... Uh, what you can look at doing then is like intra-workout carbs. So it might be like half a bottle of Lucozade after you finish your snatching clean and jerks. Or Powerade. Or Powerade. Like some sugar, basically. It's very, very easily digestible. Football special. <laughs> <laughs> with some uh, with some form of electrolytes and it will probably help. If you're a field athlete or, or you're a CrossFitter and you're doing multiple bouts of aerobic work, you may need some hydration stuff. So a lot of the time we'll see people, they might just sip on a bottle, but there's no real structure. So we, what we might need to do is, uh, rather than just drinking every time we're thirsty, we'll say, uh, after the workout, I'm going to take on 350 milliliters of water with an electrolyte tablet in it. After that workout, then I'll have some carbohydrates. So that could be like five or six jelly babies. Uh, and then you continue to say... Packets. 
pa- no, not packets, five or six jelly babies. I don't understand. Yeah, not a baby made of jelly. Now, the small, they might be the size of your thumbnail. You only need five of them. Yeah. It Go doesn't on. take much, Owen. Go on. Uh, so these are small things that will, will enhance performance. If you're involved in like a just solely a strength sport like weightlifting or powerlifting or strongman or whatever, you might be looking for some sort of a stimulant. Uh, so you could be looking at something like uh, beta-alanine or, or obviously caffeine, uh, making sure you don't build your tolerance too high before you get into the sessions, um, making sure you don't become reliant on caffeine. Or cocaine if you're a strongman. Or cocaine, yeah. Which is fucking mental. You're talking about getting... You can't tell the, the story least, that. No, we're not going to tell that story, but... Uh, look, look, strong the, men do cocaine before they lift really heavy things. The outcome Apparently. Was, the, the outcome was positive, so look, what are we to say? Yeah, the outcome is one of the most impressive feats seen in strong men in the last few decades. Uh, but that's mental. Like, yeah. they're, they're the least healthy population of any athlete I could think of. Um... But no one's pretending otherwise, to be fair. No, no, they're not. Uh, you know, so, yeah, so it might be something like taking some, some sort of stimulant uh, that will enhance your actual <coughs> performance. I see them. Intro workout nutrition has not taken off in CrossFit at all. No, and I think it's people are afraid of it. Wh- because why? people go over the top and eat a bag of jelly babies. Like, if you look at what players take on at halftime in professional field sports, it's minuscule. Like, or people bring a bottle of LucasAid Sport or Powerade or Gatorade to training and they fucking slam the whole bottle. It's like, are you fucking mental? There's yeah. 40 grams of carbohydrate in that yeah. or 60 grams of carbs. Like, that is so vastly too much. And then you're just redirecting... Uh, blood flow. Meta- yeah, blood, like metabolic energy towards the stomach. Like, that's the lot you want to take on small bolus- boluses of food, uh, like small intakes that you can just really, really quickly take on board uh, and move on. Something we probably should touch on actually is um, is fat-based and performance across yeah. sports. Seems we are talking about stepping up nutrition. My Basically, all of the science would say, and the massive consensus across science. the science, across all of those nutrition experts, is that you just... you. Like if you're in a strength and power sports, you're just gonna have to put up with some carbs. I think. Yeah. I just haven't seen anyone who's. So I I am a big fan of success leaves clues, you know, and I do like I do like anecdotal evidence because at the end of the day it's um, like nutrition science is shit and sports science is just super specific sometimes. So sometimes you have to go. I with think you just like anecdotes because you're a bit of a drama. I like drama anecdotes are like, useful. You They're just useful. Like it. You just like a little Listen, bit of drama and gossip. Why can't I have cocaine into workout? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. No, but I think sometimes, you know, anecdotes are part of the kind of two or three kind of things. Yeah, they're what you look for. But you have to at yeah. the moment. In 50 years time, we won't have to. Well, no, I think in 50 years time, sport will have changed so much that... You probably will have to again. Yeah, we'll have a very good idea of what was happening now. But you'll still be looking to athletes for anecdotes of what's happening at, at presently. And the only so for talking about so keto has really gone in direction of carnivore now at the moment. I think. Yeah. Like it, no one's really talking about keto anymore. People are just really talking about carnivore. I think it's because it's too difficult to do keto, as opposed to carnivore. Car- keto uh, is just. I, is, I think people getting incredibly confused with keto. Yeah, like what, what you know when you're trying to have fruits. 
or when you're trying to have you know vegetables and stuff where it's a lot easier just to be like oh i'll eat meat and eggs or something or meat yeah. and fish and the only pe- the only anecdotal evidence we really have for any kind of strength and power or anything under four hours basically is um men in their 50s like bow hunting or something <laughs> do you know or i do a few hill sprints there and they say they feel great yeah you know we don't have lasha Talakatsi being like you know what really when i went from uh normal the radical center to um to fucking carnivore i just that 230 just went up like nothing snatch you know yeah we don't have that in any sport i really i think you need to be very cognizant of what that means yeah and i think it's just <laughs> now no one listening to this realistic well actually that's not true a lot of people listening to this aren't trying to make something to their lives via sports uh i have a feeling there's a good few people listening and this is probably who I'm talking the most. So people who just like training, and if you do feel better all day via your carnivore or your keto, <coughs> or even your vegan or your carnivore fucking vegan or your keto vegan, and you do feel better, then that's probably more important. And realistically, if you feel better, you'll probably have a better training session because you're not looking for elite performance. Whereas if you're looking for elite performance and you're, there might, there's a lot of collegiate athletes who listen to us. Um, I would say... Unless you deal incredibly poorly with carbohydrates, don't be very fast to remove them. And if anything, I would say be incredibly slow to remove them and don't remove them at all. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, elite athletes will deal with carbohydrates very well due to just the way they're built and there's so much training. Yeah, I, I also think like the the link between muscle mass and insulin sensitivity Yeah. and the amount of training you do and insulin sensitivity means that the more we train and and the better an athlete you are in inverted commas like the mm-hmm. the higher you are on that chart of how many times you train per week uh means that you'll deal with carbohydrates better like and like the more muscle mass you have the more of a well you have for a glucose to go to basically exactly yeah and you and you're going to have a lot more cells to shuttle carbohydrates into without the need for excess insulin so there's like, there's like, probably one group and that's like the obviously you said about boat hunters like kind of joking but yeah. uh when you look at ultra marathon runners like a lot of them have really shit diets but yeah. uh some of them are have been playing around with like fat based or more so what they'll do is they'll take on most of their say the first 50 or 60% of a race so say the race is around 24 hours long uh or it might be 48 hours long for the first kind of half of the race when they are fairly, like they're still moving along at a good pace, they're not struggling, uh, they're under no pressure in terms of fatigue, what they'll do is they'll mostly take on fat-based, or they'll mostly take on fat. So they'll be taking in things like cheeseburgers, uh, they'll literally be taking in a lot of nuts and stuff that are very easy to take on the trail with them or just grab from a a stop as as they go through. What you'll find then is as fatigue becomes more of an issue, you have to look for things that are a lot easier to digest and digest quickly. So you also have the thing of cognitive fatigue where you need some sort of glucose getting to the brain now because you're falling asleep or whatever it is. Uh, so then they start moving to the energy gels uh, and like, then they only have kind of maybe 40% of the race left uh, where they know they're not going to get a major slump. Uh, and they can keep up to date on their, they can keep their blood sugar levels fairly high. Like Kip, Kip Choji had that like special mixture of like fructose and glucose or whatever. Yeah. And so like electrolytes and all that crack. 
Also, just on that subject, if you are taking electrolytes without carbohydrates, you're just basing them out or yeah. shooting them out. There you go. You know, you see those like zero sugar electrolytes or whatever. Yeah. Like you just need, you need a little bit of like, um, I don't know, fructose, glucose, dextrose, like anything. A hundred mils of orange juice in with it. Yeah. Uh, it'll be perfect. You just, even then though, you don't see the best of the best who are fully fat dependent. No. Uh, we see nobody in any strength of power sports no 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 you don't know in and I think when you see vegan like oh, we're not going to rag on vegans because it's just nothing wrong with it but uh, it's this this thing of people wanting to be special and wanting to be like oh I do this exclusion diet the vast majority of elite athletes are not on any way exclusion diets mm-hmm. like they're not on carnivore they're not on keto they're not on vegan you're looking you're looking in the wrong place basically 100 percent. you're looking for the exceptional few uh for a certain period or the period you're observing them have changed their diet drastically and it didn't turn out poorly Ilya seems to be the only person i know of who did incredibly well so he did two and he's juiced to the fucking gills i know but yeah i know who isn't these days i'm joking but i'm not joking but um like he's two four six would have been done under veganism or whatever, and yeah. I think he still is. And obviously, under veganism, veganism and uh, it probably is vegan to be fair. Uh, but long story short, I would say if, if you're there's probably two categories, like I was saying. So if, if you're just looking to feel better and you do feel better doing what whatever it is and whatever makes you healthier, regardless of the recommended daily guidelines or whatever, your if your bloods are coming back healthier and you're you're lower in fat and your skin feels better and your sleep is better and you've more energy then just do that whatever yeah. that is but if you are an athlete and you're trying to be the best athlete you can be and it's important that you are at your best at all times and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who need that then don't don't look at nutrition as the religions it's becoming I would say look at it more as um, a split squat or <laughs> Or an RDL, yeah. single like RDL. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. another thing. Whatever you do is just another thing. It's interchangeable. It means absolutely nothing to you. Like no. have no kind of emotional attachment to whatever Being this is. A certain and if if it does turn out that for some reason your performance goes crazy on carnivore, then just do that. And then if after three years it starts to decline and then you add in carbohydrates and it goes again, just don't have an existential crisis and wonder what do I do. You just wake up the next day and so right, it's carbs again, is it? You know, yeah, that's how it's you exactly like Gurf being good at back squatting and kind of being known as a back squatter. And then back when squatting. he had to stop back squatting and training, he just got really, really upset. And you had what we would consider to be a crisis. So you may as well tell the people. And I, I know it still upsets you and you're not talking. I don't even it. miss it anymore. You do, It lasted like a week. Shut the fuck up. I mentioned like back squats at the start to this podcast and your eyes looked at the floor. I get you're it's still been upset. It's a week. You're, it was a look, week. It was Owen a week Murphy, there where I was a little Owen upset. Owen Murphy yeah. is more than a back squat. Don't, doesn't want to be more than a back squat. I, I know you don't, but you are like. Just Joe, there's more there's more to you than just a big back squat. I get it that it's hard, like, Joe. Is it talking about it's a part of your identity, like. No, I actually don't miss it at the moment because front squats do feel good. Well, you're, you're, at, you're definitely not, like, you're not more than the tuck, like. Nobody's more than the no tuck. No one's more than the tuck. <laughs> um, the, so, anything else you think about nutrition? No, it's a, it's just I not important. To be tune in next week to listen to programming and and structuring your training. Part two, 
part two. Um, I just want to give this a second in case we've missed anything that I feel is important and you feel you feel it or anything. I think we haven't touched on hydration or we've barely oh, touched shit, yeah. on hydration. Uh, I think okay. so. There's the ba- basically the I have something I want to get off my chest. Go on. So you know you see people with the eight gallon jugs of water everywhere. Yeah, that's not the way to do it. No, most of the time for most people, outside of training, you just need to drink when you're hung- you're thirsty. Yeah, just sip, sip, sip. Sip. If you need sip. to, you don't yeah. have to. Like, look, if you want to carry around a baby Labrador-sized bottle of water <laughs> uh, with a screw cap that looks like you could fill an IBC with it. Like, if you're carrying around five gallon of empty petrol. Yeah, if you want to carry a jerry can of water with you, uh, by all means do. But in terms of, like, how you're, you should be best hydrated, it's just small sips of water, like 150 to 200 milliliters of water at a time. Uh, take that in over the course of a whole day. Don't tank it at one point or another. Uh, I think uh, a lot of sports. Are, sorry, go on. I think a lot of sports are very, very. Uh, oh, there just seems to be this thing of like, you don't need water. Like, Joe, I'm a weightlifter. I don't need to be hydrated. What difference does that make? Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, 100% really? I've never powerlifting. Yeah. Uh, like, you're an athlete. You're More importantly, you're a human being and you need water in your system. I think CrossFitters are quite good. They'll stay I think it's hard hydrated. not to. It's hard yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, but you should be taking on small amounts of water here and there. And definitely as you're training, you should just be sipping. Um, so as well, I was just reading something the other day actually and coffee, liquids, other liquids are fine. They count. Like there is no reason that they don't count. Yeah. Like there may be pros and negatives to their pros and negatives. Pros, yeah, pros. pros and cons. It's still the same thing. I don't know why I said that. You but lost it was, your fucking mind. It was still right. Pros and cons to the like caloric fucking content or the nutrient deficits or whatever, like the acidic or pH or so whatever. You're saying I can drink a liter and a half of Pepsi Max. Be I. And it seems like you would still be hydrated because it's mostly yeah. water anyway. What about my gut biome? Um, <laughs> uh, it's not alcohol, so it's not a fucking. But basically. They they count your coffee counts your tea counts your uh, whatever your vit hit counts whatever those are like they they do count and there's obviously other negatives to those but mostly <coughs> if you only had Pepsi and you're dying of thirst in the desert Pepsi would do yeah you know long story short yeah all yeah. the warm Pepsi is probably horrific <clears throat> um nutrition is very easy to or hydration is easy to follow it's just common sense yeah and and you can just instantly see how hydrated you are by taking a piss. And you may not want to be fully clear. No. It might be too clear. <laughs> the uh, clear. Right. Thanks for listening, guys. Next week we have programming. Part two of the five steps to upping your game.